now, back to Bodhicitta. <laughs> so, we're starting, if you look at the outline, it's the C point. Okay, training the mind on the stages of path when you are a person of a higher level. So, the A and the B points, the first one was training the mind on the stages of the path in common with um, an initial level practitioner. And in that one, we were trying to um, develop uh, some care and concern for how we're going to die and what we're going to be reborn as. And then realize that unfortunate rebirths are a possibility uh, and that they're due to negative karma. And so as an antidote to then kind of to clean up our karmic act, in other words, to do some purification and to avoid doing the ten non-virtues and to try and do the ten virtues as much as possible. So that was in common with the initial level practitioner. The reason it's called in common is because the Lam Rim, the Gradual Path to Enlightenment, it's designed for somebody who already knows they want to practice the highest level. Okay, so it's in common with the person of the initial level because you're doing it in common with them, but you have in your mind that you're going for the highest level. Okay, so that's why at the beginning of all of our sessions we spend time generating the altruistic intention, the bodhicitta, which is the motivation of this highest level practitioner, even though we might then go back and meditate or study or whatever on one of the meditations from the initial, that in common with the initial level practitioner. Okay, so it's in common with them. Then the B point was training the mind in the stages of the path in common with a, a medium level practitioner. And so a medium level practitioner is somebody who not just aspires for good rebirths, but who wants to get out of samsara totally, who recognizes the cause of being caught in cyclic existence as ignorance, anger, and attachment, and who therefore practices the three higher trainings um, of ethics, concentration, and wisdom, what Enlan Rinpa taught while he was here, in order to free themselves from cyclic existence. So again, that path, we practice that path, the middle-level path, in the path that's in common with the middle-level practitioner because we're still aiming to, for the highest practice, the highest path, okay? So now we've finally come to the training in the mind and the, in the path when you're, you know, a person of higher level. So even though we ourselves may not be a person of higher level right now, Still, it's beneficial to hear the teachings on this, contemplate them, and meditate on them, because it puts some imprint on our mind. It begins the learning process. It plants the seeds, and then these seeds can gradually get nurtured as we listen and contemplate and meditate more and more. Okay, so it's not that you just have to do the the initial level practice without knowing any of the rest, you know, and master that chunk before you learn the next chunk. Okay, but rather you try and learn the whole thing so you have a whole broad overview of it and then you concentrate on the part that you, that is really where you're at, but you have a knowledge of the whole, of the whole thing and you do practice as much as you can the whole thing even though your emphasis is at the level where you're really at. 
Okay? So this is why, you know, we may have taken tantric empowerment and say, I didn't understand everything. What do I do? Oh, 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 you know? <laughs> and how am I qualified to do this? I can't even spell Chinrisi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So if you have, you know, some knowledge of the whole path and some awareness of the determination to be free, the bodhicitta, the wisdom aspect, then you start on this path of Tantra and this, the Chenrezi was the lowest class, not the highest one. So it's much, much easier, much, much, much simpler. So even though you don't understand everything completely, you know, it's putting imprints in your mind and you do it the best that you can. And as you do it, what you do will relate to the earlier levels of the path and the earlier levels of the path will start relating to that and you'll begin to see how it all fits together. Okay. So no need for despair. <laughs> okay. So um, in this, uh path in this section here of um, training in the path of the person of the highest uh, motivation there's three main sections the first one is discussing the advantages of the altruistic intention or bodhicitta the second one is um, the way to develop it and the third one is having generated it how to engage in the bodhisattva deeds bodhisattva practices so those are the basic th three, um, basic three points in it. So just to go back to the first point, the advantages of the altruistic intention. So this is the hard sell, okay? Whenever they talk about the advantages of something, it's really to sell you on it, okay? Um, not just to sell you on it, but to get you to really value what this thing is and have a mind that's full of rejoice and appreciation and optimism so that you really want to engage in that practice. Because if you don't see the benefits of it, then, you know, kind of what's the use of putting all the energy in it? So just as we now see the benefits of making a lot of money, so we have much energy to go to work. I mean, you want to make money so you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah? I mean, your wish to make money gets you out of bed in the morning. It gets you in your car and going to work. Even you're exhausted. Yeah? Even you're sick, you still go to work. Yeah? You spend extra hours working because you see the value of money. Yeah? You're not lazy in it. Okay? So you see, when we have, we see the advantages of something, then the, then the joyous effort comes very spontaneously. One reason why we don't have so much joyous effort in our meditation practice is because we may not yet know the advantages of it. Okay? And so understanding the advantages of something helps give, you know, if we know the advantages, then we'll get out of bed in the morning to meditate on bodhicitta and we'll, you know, work on bodhicitta all day long without fatigue, even overtime. Okay? <laughs> And it, it won't seem such a big strain because we'll see the advantages of it. And people may have, have been uh, quite surprised. I don't know if everybody knows this, that Lama Zopa doesn't sleep. You know, he doesn't sleep. Nobody's ever seen him lie down. Yeah. 
Nobody, not even his attendants, has seen him lie down. So for about 45 minutes between like 3.30 and a quarter past four, something like that, depend, I mean, sometimes later, earlier, he'll kind of go into very deep meditation and his head will go like this. And then 45 minutes later, he'll lift his head up and continue doing his prayers. Okay, so he just doesn't sleep. You know, how is this that that, that happens? I think it's by the power of the bodhicitta. Okay, so his bodhicitta not, doesn't get him out of bed in the morning. It just gets him not to go to bed in the night. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and I mean this is the reason why he, you know, he stays up until all hours of the day and night teaching. Yeah, I mean we're all sitting there falling asleep, but he's completely, you know, on, one hundred percent. You know, and he comes back here and talks to people until all hours. You know, again teaching them, and then does starts his prayers very early in the morning, and has this whirlwind schedule. And also, you look at his holiness and how he lives too. You know, kind of whirlwind schedule, very little privacy. And I think that that this is made possible um, by the force of the altruistic intention. So that you know, kind of the more the, the altruism is there, then these things don't become hardships, but rather become joys. So if we contemplate the advantages of the bodhicitta, then, you know, engaging in the practice becomes a joy rather than a hardship.